I would like to ask you, um, has God ever taken you on a long route in your journey? Maybe it be physically or spiritually to receive your promised blessing or to pursue a calling that God has given to you. Maybe you thought that you can get there in a faster way. Maybe you thought that there was an easier route. Maybe you thought that you could handle it on your own, but instead you went in the opposite direction and it's just taking much longer. It just didn't turn out the way you expected so far. Or maybe you are in one now. And that is the story of Abraham in the Bible. And so I want for us to open up um, in the book of Genesis chapter 12. Can I have somebody bring my water bottle, please? When I get a little nervous, my mouth is dry, but I'm good. All right, Genesis chapter 12. Thank you, babe. I'm going to read from verses 1 through 4 and verses 7 through 9. Okay. Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who blesses you. I will curse those who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord has spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Moving down to verse 7, then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your descendants, I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So Abram journeyed, going on, going on still toward the south, going on still toward the south. And so the, the title of my message today is Go On Still. Go on still. Be faithful. There is a children's song about Abraham, and maybe you've heard it before, and I'm not claiming to be a great singer, but it goes something like, Father Abraham had many sons, had many sons like Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's go praise the Lord. <laughs> okay, so I know that's just a fun song, but there's actually a lot of truth in that song that we're going to be looking at today. Thank you for singing along. Um, but God had promised Abraham that he would be abundantly blessed. God told him that he would receive a lot of land and that he would be a father to many nations. Now, the, the name Abram, before God had changed his name to Abraham, the name Abram actually means exalted father. And Ham or Ham actually denotes the breath of God or the life of God that was given to Abraham. And so when God had changed Abraham's name to Abraham, it's because God had given him life and he had multiplied his life. And so his name then meant the father of multitude because he became the founder of the nation of Israel in which the lineage of Jesus Christ had came from. 
But he told Abraham, in order for you to go and to move forward and to receive your blessing, he told him that he had to leave everything behind. He told him to leave his home, his comfort, his family, everything he knew, and to move forward into foreign territory. And I'm sure that Abraham had doubts. I'm sure that he questioned. I'm sure he might have asked, why me? And I'm sure that he, he said, God, how can this even be possible? Because I am old. My wife is old. You know, I'm, I'm not ready for this. I'm not prepared for this. I haven't done anything yet. You said that I'm going to have many descendants as much as the stars in the sky and as much as the sands um, in the sea. But yet you're telling me that I'm going to have a nation and I don't even have a child. My wife is barren. And it took 25 years for the promised blessing in Abraham's life to come into fruition. But through it all, Abraham remained faithful. In chapter 15, verse 6, it says, And Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteousness because of his faith. The word faithful means to carry out or to support a vision or a purpose that has been given. It means to be reliable, to be trustworthy, to, be, to stand firm, to trust, and to believe. So I want to talk about a few key points on uh, what it means to be faithful and how Abraham was faithful in his journey. So one of the first things that we need to do or to remember in being faithful, and God wants us to be faithful because we are created in the image of God, and um, faithfulness is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness. It's faithfulness. And so if we are a child of God, we have this fruit of faithfulness in our lives. We have the potential to be able to carry it out. And God really wants for us to be able to produce faithfulness and demonstrate faithfulness in his life because it reflects his image and he is glorified in that. But one of the things that we need to do in being faithful is we need to be able to let it go sometimes. Um, in verse one, it says, now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house to a land that I will show you. And I've read this many times before, and I try to relate my life to that passage and uh, because I, I know that this blessing is for me. I want to declare that this is for me too because, you know, as children, our faith, God has called us to be a blessing to many nations as well. And so I try to relate to this, but it's actually kind of hard for me at the, at the part where it says, you know, to, to get out from your family and from your father's house. I'm just talking. That's just me. I kind of stumble uh, on that just a little bit. You know, God, I, I know that you're all about relationships and, you know, we're supposed to love our family. But, you know, what do you mean by, you know, get out from your family and from your father's house? And I understand that sometimes that there are probably toxic relationships relationships that maybe we just need to put up healthy boundaries and to detach ourselves from so that we can move forward and focus on our relationship with God. But I believe that this is just not talking about in the physical sense, but also in the, the figurative sense, or even in our spiritual lives, there are things that we have to let go. We have to let go of our comfort, 
okay? We have to let go of our human knowledge and understanding because sometimes we're not gonna understand it all, but that's where faith comes in. We have to let go of our, our even unhealthy relationships sometimes to be able to walk in faith and to receive God's blessings for our lives. Speaking of let it, letting it go, I can't help but to think about Frozen. Um, Princess Elsa, she had to let it go. I, I really can't help it. We all know the song, Let It Go. Okay. But um, Elsa, she was born with a special gift, didn't she? Yeah. That she had to cover and keep it concealed. Don't feel don't let the world know. <laughs> um, um, but she had a potential to be a blessing to the kingdom. But in order for it to be fulfilled, she had to go through a time of maturation. She had to, um, you know, she had to wait for a time when she was ready for it. And she had to let things go. She had to take off that glove. She had to throw it behind her. And she had to run forward and what God has for her. She had to let go of her fears. She had to let go of her insecurities, what people would think or what people would say so that she can walk forward and live out what she was made to do, which was to rule. There's a lot of meaning in that. And she, so she had to let it go. Also, our obedience is required in faithfulness. Our obedience is required in faithfulness. In verse 4, it said, So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Now, God was pretty clear in his instruction when he said that he needed to uh, get out from his family. And, um, but Abram took his nephew, Lot, with him. And maybe, you know, Abram had a good heart. He had good intentions. Maybe he cared about his nephew, Lot. Or maybe, you know, Lot said, you know, maybe he negotiated with him, said, you know, hey, you know, let me come with you. I can help you. I can help you run your business. I can take care of your animals. Whatever it was, but Abram took Lot with him when God said to depart from your family. Abram taking his nephew Lot was actually partial obedience. Even though he obeyed and he left and he went to pursue the land that God had for him, but he was partially disobeying or he, was, he had partial obedience. Yet God was still good and God was still faithful to him. This partial obedience did not take away God's promise, but instead it meant that the promise would be on hold until Abram was ready to fully do what the Lord had asked. It did not mean that Abram wouldn't be blessed, but it made it more difficult and Abram wasn't able to walk in the fullness of God's blessing. You know, I think that sometimes as believers, we get the, the misconceived notion that if we mess up or that if we fail or if we didn't do things right, that maybe we wouldn't be blessed. But that's not the truth and that's not the word of God because really as God's children, we are already blessed. God has come to give us life and life more abundantly and the blessing is already for us. The promises are already for us. And so God would bless us anyways, but Abram wasn't able to walk in the fullness of God's blessings because, you know, sometimes whenever we're, we're living in sin and we're living in disobedience, it doesn't mean that God doesn't love us. It doesn't mean that God loves us any more or any less or that he wouldn't bless us, but simply we are leaving the door open 
for the enemy to come and distract us and to keep us and to hold us back from our blessing. But God still loves us because of his grace. Sometimes in our journey, we carry baggage that slows us down or hinders us from moving forward. I was reminded of the message that Pastor Jeremiah preached not too long ago, and he used this, um, this very good illustration of somebody who was um, exercising or uh, moving and doing jumping jacks. Actually, he used uh, Brother Nam, and Nam did great. He was up here, and he was given a backpack, and he was going, one, two, and he just kept going. And then um, all of a sudden, some weights were put into his backpack, and the more weight that went into his backpack, and even though he was strong and even though he was built for it and he can handle it, but the more weight that came in, the more he started sweating and the more he started huffing and puffing and the harder he got, but he was doing it, you know, and that reminds me that, you know, that weight, that weight that we carry um, in our lives, the burdens that we have, they're not meant for us to carry. They're not meant for us to take it on our backs all alone because Jesus Christ had already carried those burdens on his back. And he said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart because I have already overcome the world. I've come to give you peace and I want to walk your journey with you. In Hebrews 12, 1, it says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run the race. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. We are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. You know, I believe that this cloud of witnesses are not just the people of faith that have gone before us, watching down on us to see when we're gonna get the finish line. I really believe that the cloud of witnesses are right here on this earth. The people that are watching your life, the people are watching your walk uh, to see how you're walking with the Lord. The people that know that you say that you're a believer of God and they wanna see God at work in your life, the witnesses are right here. And I really believe that there is always somebody watching your life, whether you know it or not. And you never know that the life you live that they're witnessing would do something for them. Although, although that God will not take away his promised destiny for you because our God is a promise keeper, what he has for you, he does not take it away. But you choose your journey, how you experience your walk with every decision, every act of obedience that you make. Our worship is required in our faithfulness. In verse 8, it says, When Abram arrived in Canaan, he built an altar between Bethel and Ai to worship the Lord. And on his journey from his birth town called Yor, or Or, which is in modern-day Iraq, to the place of Canaan, which is in the Promised Land, he actually built up an altar four times, if you read on his journey. So every milestone, every place that he arrived, he made it a point to build an altar, to worship God, to hear from him, and to commune with God. And when he reached to the place of Canaan, um, he arrived um, in the city of Ai, And this place, I, actually means a heap of ruins or a pile of uh, trash or a pile of junk. And then it said there he built up an altar. 
And then he went on to a place called Bethel. And Bethel means house of God. And, and, you know, I believe this is very symbolic in that, you know, a lot of times we need to be able to get to the altar and we need to be able to lay down our pile of mess before the Lord at the altar so that we can move forward and enter into the, um, the holy place and to have a deeper connection in our relationship with God. Building an altar is making a place to offer our sacrifices to God or to reflect on our lives along the way um, um, with the word of God. It is to, um, to, to make a place so that we can meet with him, so that we can hear his voice, to show submission and to be able to just receive from him, to receive and to be restored from him. Do we make a place in our lives to worship God? in our journey, even when we don't know how things will turn out, even when we don't know what's ahead, even when we cannot see our blessings, do we make a place in our lives to worship God? Making a place to worship God is also making a place where you could um, offer your thanksgiving to God, because that is very necessary in our walk, that's very necessary in our journey, to have a place where you can offer thankfulness and our praises to God, because, you know, life, sometimes it can, it can weigh you down, and sometimes it can be tiring, and sometimes it can be weary, but if you don't make a place to give God your thanksgiving and your praises, you can easily become bitter, you can become frustrated, you can become tired, but when you get into that place and you, you count your blessings and you express to God what you're grateful for, it really helps, it really helps. Um, at the beginning of the year, Peter and I decided to do this new thing where um, we have a gratitude journal, um, and we put in a place where we can see it, where it's always visible. And what we do in this gratitude journal is that every day when um, something happens that we're grateful for, and I'm not just talking about God, I'm thank you for the my breath, my life, you know, that kind of stuff. But you know, grateful for the little things like God, I was in a near miss accident today, or you know, this gentleman at the grocery store opened the door for me or somebody paid for my Starbucks. You know, it's just, it was the little things like that. And we started numbering them. And then, so we're already at the end of February and we have a hundred things that we have, that we've written down day by day that we're grateful for. But the, the awesome thing about that little exercise is that you go back and you read it and you see the fingerprints of God, even though sometimes your days may feel like they're mundane or you're tired or, you know, whatever it is but you, you see those little bits in there and you see God working throughout your day. So I encourage you, that's a pretty cool exercise if you want to start a gratitude journal. Amen. Being faithful is to go on still, to keep going. In chapter 12, verse 9, it says, so Abram journeyed going on still toward the south. And this word journey in Hebrew is pronounced naka. And it actually means to pluck out or to remove the pins of your camp or your tent. These pins that go into the ground is what holds your tent down for that period of time. But a tent is really meant to be a temporary home. A tent is not meant to be your permanent dwelling. It's not meant for you to be somewhere that you're comfortable. And it's like this earth is our temporary home. 
Jesus says, I go and I prepare a place for you. And so this earth is our temporary home. God's kingdom, you know, whether it be in heaven, but God's kingdom is wherever God reigns and God's rules even on this earth right now, if you have the presence of God with you, the kingdom of God is with you and he wants to work his power in your life. And so when we journey with God, our lives are not meant to be rooted on the earthly things. Our lives are not meant um, to just focus on building our earthly kingdom and getting the next nice car and getting the, a bigger house and getting that next job promotion. And God, where is my spouse? And God, when are my kids coming? God, where are my blessings? You know, and, and your life just revolving around a cycle of your routine and your schedules, you know, and your responsibilities. And all these things are fine and that's good and that's life. And God, God wants for you to be blessed and God wants for you to enjoy these things, you know, but there's much more, there has to be much more to life than just what's right here. And God wants us to focus on the eternal things of God, the things that will last forever, the things that are meaningful, the things that are connected to him, the things are, um, that are of faith and of hope and of love. And even though the journey may be long, and even though the journey may be difficult sometimes, you know, and I understand that, you know, sometimes our flesh may be weak and our flesh may be weary, but it's during those times that when we are weak on the inside, God is restoring us. God is restoring us and he's making us stronger as we connect with him and as we rely on him. He is there, he knows, and he understands what you're going through. You are not alone. You're not walking it alone. In Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Go on still. It means to continue. It means to take that step and to take another step and to take another step and to trust him with it each and every single step and see what God will do. It reminds me of the story of um, the, everybody knows the story of Peter walking on water, right? And Peter knew that even in the midst of, in the middle of the ocean where it was dark, where it's probably foggy, where he couldn't see anything, he knew that Jesus was there because he heard his voice. You know, the Bible says that my children know my voice. And Peter knew that Jesus was there with him. And Peter says, Jesus, if that's you, call me to walk out on the water and I will walk out on the water. But Peter, he had to, he had to rise up for one thing. He had to stand up. He had to take that initiative. He had to be able to step up over the edge. And once he put his foot on the water, then God was able to do that miracle and allowed him um, to be able to walk on water. We walk by faith and not by sight. You know, um, this past Thursday, I went to, um, we went to the funeral of my grandma. And um, this was my American grandma. Um, I call her my American grandma because I don't know my Vietnamese grandmas because they were in Vietnam and I never had a relationship with them. But my American grandma was the one, um, she went to Champions Forest Baptist Church and um, it was her church that played a factor in sponsoring my mother to come over here as a refugee here to the United States. And Grandma Helen, she was called to be a teacher 
and she was a very faithful teacher, and she knew that was what God wanted her to do, and my mother was her first student. And so Grandma Helen, she, she taught my mom English, but I believe she did much more than that, was that she planted a seed of faith in my mother. And I believe that she was the one that God had used um, to uh, plant that seed of faith in our family and to pray over our family. And I believe that if it wasn't for her, that my brother and I wouldn't have come to know the Lord today. Amen, amen. And it just takes that one person of faithfulness. At the Empowered Women's Conference, Dr. Gayla Hawley, some of you know her, but she, she, she talked about the power of one. And um, I came to her and I was, you know, I was nervous. I mean, the event was about to start. And I said, Dr. Gayla, I don't know how this is going to turn out. You know, not a lot of people are signed up for this. You know, I, I just don't know. You know, we're here. We're just going to do it. We're just going to have a great time. And she says, Marianne, don't forget about the power of one. Because it only takes that one person. And if that one person came and if they were blessed, it makes all the difference in the world. It's all that matters if that one person was blessed. It only takes that one person that can be the one that will lead the nation or to change the world. And if it wasn't for my grandma's faithfulness, I wouldn't be where I am today. I would have been able to, to lead out this vision of having this empowered women's conference. I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't be standing here sharing the word of God with you today if it wasn't for her faithfulness. So what is God, what is the one thing that God is asking you to do today? to be faithful with, to keep going, to not give up, even when the journey gets difficult, when it, even when it's hard, even when you can't see what is ahead, even when you don't know when your promise is going, what is the one thing that God is asking you to be faithful with? Maybe it's for that one person, maybe it's for that family, your son or your daughter. Don't give up, continue to be faithful. Give it to the Lord because it could be that one person, maybe it's your child, that can be the one that will lead a nation that can change the world. Our faithfulness is not just about the destination, but it is about your journey. It's not just about the destination, but it's about your journey. And so when, as Abraham was going to um, Canaan into the promised land. He went on this journey. And I just want to break it down to you, you know, a little bit here because there's a lot of significance in Abraham's journey before he reached his promised blessing. He was born and raised in the hometown of Yor. And Yor was always under constant attack. It was, um, it had a lot of hostility. It was a city of sin. It was a city of idol worshiping. They worship the moon god. And for whatever reason, Abraham's uh, father, whose name was Terah, packed up their family and moved to Haran. Maybe they believed in the one true God. You know, we don't know exactly, you know, for sure why they moved, you know, or maybe um, they were just searching for more peace. And so they moved to Haran. But Haran was a place that was parched, that was dry um, by the flames of the sun. And this place, Haran, also meant mountaineer. 
You know, sometimes, even in our own lives, sometimes we have to get, get down from that mountain and humble ourselves and lay ourselves before the cross. Sometimes we have to get off our high horse, you know, even, so that we can submit to the God who is sovereign. And then, so in Haran, God called Abraham, and then Abraham arrived in a place called Shechem. And this was in Canaan. And Shechem actually means shoulder and it means back. And the Bible says that he went from Shechem to as far as the great tree of Moreh. And I believe that's really reflective also of what Jesus Christ would later do for us on that cross, that he was crucified to that great tree for the sins of the world. And he carried that cross on his shoulder and on his back to Calvary. But it said that Abram didn't stay there. It said that Abram went past there. And we have to look past the cross because Jesus Christ didn't stay dead on that cross, but he rose again from the grave. And so Abraham kept going. He went to Ai, which we said meant a pile of ashes, a pile of ruins. And there he built an altar and he laid it down and he went on to Bethel, which means house of God. And so in this journey, it wasn't just him arriving. It wasn't just about him arriving in Canaan, but it was this journey that God was transforming him to become more of the image of God. God was doing something to reveal his gospel in his life. And I believe also for us that when we go on a journey with God and we trust in him, God is in the process of transforming us and making him more into his image and revealing the gospel of Jesus Christ in your life, just how he did with Abraham. In Philippians 3, 13 through 14, it says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forget those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Abraham kept looking toward the goal of the upward call of Christ Jesus in, in our lives. So wherever you are in your journey, keep focusing on that goal. Keep focusing on the cross, but look beyond the cross. Keep going. God is with you. He will not fail you. You know, the interesting thing is that the distance between your, where Abraham came from, and Canaan to the promised land where God was calling him, the distance was actually about 7,000 miles. Fun fact. And 7,000 miles is kind of like for us to fly from here in Houston all the way to Beijing, China. Okay? And for us to fly to Asia, that's a pretty dreadful flight of probably 24 to 26 hours. I hate flights like that. It's so dreadful. But can you imagine that Abram probably traveled by foot or camel to go where God is calling him to go? And he had, that's the kind of faith that Abram had, that he focused on that goal. You know, and according to geography and, and how history puts it for Abraham, that he could have gone um, a shortcut. He could have gone a shorter route. He could have simply gone from east to west to be able to get there, and it would have been half the amount at the time, like going from here to Brazil, a little bit shorter than flying to Asia. Um, but he actually went all along the Euphrates River, as history puts it. And in that journey, even though it took longer, at least he wasn't going through the desert, but he was going along the river where there was life, where there was food, where there was provisions, where there was refreshment along the journey. It's pretty interesting. God is not just concerned about the end result 
as much as the process of getting you there. Many times we want the blessing, but we're not willing to go through the process of getting that blessing. Are we going to trust him in the process? You know, in planning the, uh, the women's conference, um, in the beginning it was hard getting that process started, you know, trying to get the vision out there and get people to believe what this is all about, that there's actually value in it, that people are going to be blessed by it, and getting people on board um, to be able to carry out this women's conference. And and it was hard, and I was going to give up, and um, I really wanted to cancel the whole thing, you know. Um, And I had to get to a point of desperation and pray, And I had to build my altar and I had to worship God, but I had to get to the point where I had to invite God in the process. And I said, God, if you give me this vision, this is is all about you. This is not all about me. So God, I'm going to invite you to be the guest of honor at this event. And that was when God started turning things around because I realized it wasn't about the numbers. And I realized it wasn't about the extravagance of the event or how it would turn out. It wasn't about the end result, but it was about the process because in that process, I had to really rely on him. I said, God, you're going to have to do this. You're going to have to turn water into wine. You're going to have to multiply the bread and the fish. You're going to have to do what you're famous for because I can't do this on my own. If you've given me this vision, you're going to have to do what you're going to have to do. But also to see the team of the people rise up and to be empowered and to be passionate and using their gifts and their talents to carry out this women's conference where it would bless so many women, that was God. That he was glorified in the process because we relied on him. It wasn't just about the event. God builds on faithfulness. Abram was considered a giant in the faith. He even became a father to the believers in Christ. But his faith grew and was built over a period of time over his faithful obedience. Your faithfulness is a process by which your foundation is built in order to receive your blessing. This foundation is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. It is the building block. It is the first foundation of our faith in which our life is built, in which our faith is built so that we can go through and withstand what life has to throw at us. In Matthew 7.24, it says, They are whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. You know, many of you know my story, but during the time when my parents passed away, my parents passed away six six months apart in 2010 and in 2011. But I kid you not, it was actually the darkest time of my life. It was the greatest storm that I ever had to go through. But I remember back that when I was a young believer, something that I did that really helped me was I spent time in the Word of God. I memorized scripture. I can't emphasize how important it is to memorize the Word of God in your life because it will become your weapon as, as you fight. And so when I was going through that time, and initially when I was going through that, I thought that I would stop believing in God. I thought that I would give up my faith. But it was when I was going through those storms, when I 
I thought that I was alone, I really wasn't alone. And my faith was a lot stronger than I thought it was. Even when I thought I would throw it away, it was already the foundation of what my life was built on. And I would see the word of God just literally come out at me. And I would hear the word of God speaking to me when I wasn't strong enough to open my Bible, when I wasn't strong enough to pray on my own, the word of God came to life for me. Being faithful is also about being consistent. God builds on consistency. He, he, he will not build on inconsistency or instability or wishy-washiness or when you're floundering around, but it's when you are established and rooted in him. You can't get progress without consistency. Consistency is your lifestyle. When you are consistent in God, you don't have to be told what to do. You just do it. You just keep going because it is the God in you that inspires you, that motivates you because you know that you love him. You know that he has been good to you and you want to be faithful. It's like being on a special diet because you want to improve your body or your health and, and you, know, you say you're going to go to the gym and work out because you want more you know, definition. You know, but you can't get progress if, it's, if you're not consistent with it. If you're going to try a diet out for two or three weeks and you say, oh, this is so hard. I want my cookies and my cake. You know, but there has to be consistency. You're not going to get progress if you just exercise one day a week and that's it. It takes consistency for strength to be built. God builds on consistency. He shapes your character with consistency. That is what faithfulness is. In James 1a, it says such people, and we're talking about um, people that are divided, um, that go back and forth. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything that they do. That is the word of God in the New Living Translation. You can't say that you have one foot in the world and you want one foot in the kingdom of God. You can't say, God, I want your blessing, but I want to hold on to this one little thing that I can, that I can control. You know, you can't say that I want something new, but at the same time, you still want to hold on to what is old because it's just comfortable. You have to be all in. And sometimes we think that changing our physical environment or changing what is on the outside would fulfill us, would satisfy us, or will make us happier. But in reality, it doesn't because God wants to transform us, not from the outside in, but he wants to change us from the inside out. Being faithful is also walking out your faith and your vision and so entrusting him so that he would take you farther than you have ever dreamed of. Because our God is a God of exceedingly. Our God is a God of abundantly. And when you trust him, he will do things, greater things that you can ever ask or imagine. Yeah. God blesses your faithfulness. When you are faithful, the Lord will bless you. So don't give up. Keep going. Go on still. I look at many of you, and I know many of you, and I know that you're faithful. I know that you're strong. I know that you have been through things, but keep going on still because God loves you, and he wants to give you new land. He wants to expand your territory. He wants to take you to places that you've never been through before. He wants you to experience things that you have never experienced before. In Proverbs 28, 20, it says, a faithful man will abound with blessings. Abram was not just blessed spiritually, but he was also blessed physically in wealth and in land 
and everything because he delighted himself in the Lord and God also blessed him abundantly in return. God gave him the desires of his heart. For 10 years of my young adult life, I took care of my disabled father. And even more than that, I had to spend several years after that picking up the broken pieces that were left behind and legal things, going to court, picking up my parents' business. And it wasn't easy. But through most of that time, I was faithful. I knew that I was. I went to church every single week, even twice a week. I served in ministry. I even served on my campus uh, college ministry. And I'm not saying that to brag because my life wasn't perfect. And behind closed doors, I had secrets too. And I, I did things that I wasn't proud of. But the one thing that I knew was that I remained faithful and God, and God was also faithful to me because God provided and he's met all my needs abundantly more than I could ever ask or even imagine. And I wouldn't wish the things that I have gone through for anyone, you know, I, I would take it back in a heartbeat, but I know that God works all things out for good. And he's brought people into my life, not to replace the ones that I've lost, but he's brought other people into my life to remind me of his love for me. So God blesses our faithfulness. You know, sometimes our faithfulness doesn't feel like enough. Isn't that right? Sometimes it feels like no matter how much we do, you know, sometimes you say, I've done it all. I go to church. God, I've done everything right. I go to church. I serve. I give my tithes. I've done everything but God, where is my blessing? When is my promise coming? When is my breakthrough coming? When is my healing coming? When is my child coming? When is my spouse coming? Sometimes we do everything right and we're faithful and we're faithful and we're faithful and God is pleased with your faithfulness, but sometimes it just feels like our faithfulness is not enough. When things don't work out the way we plan, we can trust that God will work all things out. No matter how hard we try and our lives are still messy, they're still undone, we can rely on his grace. When things are just out of our control, we can trust in the God who is in control. As long as, as we've done our best, we can be assured that God will show up. He will do what he will do and he will take care of the rest. Having a goal of faithfulness is a good goal. You know, and, and that is my aim, and I can tell you that that is my mantra, that I want to live a life of faithfulness. But our faithfulness is not enough. It's not enough unless God is in it. Because he's truly the one who is faithful. His grace is sufficient. 1 Thessalonians 5.24, it says, The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. So in our faithfulness, we need him. We can't be faithful all on our own. And that is the beauty of the gospel. In 2 Timothy 2.13, it says, even when we are faithless, even when we lose our faith, God is still faithful to you because he cannot deny himself. That is his name. That is his character. He is constant. He never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. His word lasts forever. And therefore, we can trust in him. We can rely on him. Yeah. Yeah. And finally, faithfulness is being connected in a relationship with God. It's all about, it all goes down to that. 
It also goes down into your relationship with God. It is, it is a covenant relationship. A covenant relationship is a promised relationship. It's like a marriage between a husband and a wife. There is a contract, a contract between man and God, and that when we are faithful in our relationship with God and putting him first and walking with him and communing with him, he will also be faithful in blessing us and fulfilling the promises that he has for us. But even when we are faithless, God is always good and faithful. This balance between our faithfulness and God's faithfulness is the beautiful relationship that we have with God. And so I just want to close it um, with the lyrics of this, this song that I want to read to you. It's called He's Able by Dietrich Hayden. And it says, exceedingly, abundantly, above all, all that you could ask from him, according to the power that work in you, God is able to do just what he said he will do He's going to fulfill every promise to you. Don't give up on God because he won't give up on you. He's able. So if you feel like you've been on a long journey to receive your promised blessings or to reach the dreams, the calling that God has placed upon your heart, or maybe you're feeling tired along the way and on some days maybe you just feel like giving up hope, Sometimes your dreams, your blessings, they just seem so far away and they seem unreachable sometimes that you lose sight of the vision. I want to encourage you to go on still. Be faithful. Even when you feel like your faithfulness is not enough, that's where God comes in. His grace is enough. You want to let go and surrender, but you can't. You want to worship, but you can't. Maybe you're saying, my spirit is willing, but God, my flesh is weak. You want to move forward, but something is holding you back. You just need to take that step. You just need to look up, look to the cross, look past the cross. God is there. Don't give up on your goals. I know you have faith, but keep going still. Be faithful. God is there. Your blessing is coming. Your promise is coming. You gotta believe it. But it's really about our relationship with Him. We gotta trust Him. And so as we reflect on these things, as we reflect on the Word today,